0: Today we are continuing our next installment, our next message on The Perfect Storm. And I'm excited about this series. I believe it's going to bring a lot of strength to your life, to my life. My title today is The Myth of More. The Myth of More. And our key scripture for uh, these series of talks is Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through verse 27. The scriptures will not pop on the screen, but uh, you can write them down, Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27, and read it on your own. But here's simply what this scripture says, and we covered this last weekend. It says, Jesus said these words, If you hear my words and you put them into practice, He said that you're building your house Upon the rock, and that when the storms come, the winds blow, that your house will stand. He also said in those same verses that if you hear my words and you don't put them into practice, that you're building your house upon the sand, and when the wind blows and and the storms come, that your house will not stand. And we also talked last week about that, that, that we all go through storms. You shouldn't be surprised. We, storms are a part of life. You can't get around storms. They're just a part of our world, a part of our society. And you realize this just as well as I do, that here in America, we're going through a financial storm. Gas prices are high and food food prices are rising, the housing market is unstable, the stock market's not performing well, and and all of this is going on at the same time, and, and we've called it the perfect storm. And there are a lot of Americans who, who have found out that their life, their financial life has been built on the sand and, and the storms have come and they will come again. Storms are a part of life and their financial life has come tumbling down because their life. Has been built on the sand. And last weekend we talked to you about sand principles. I would encourage you to get online and listen to that message, download it to your iPod, or go pick up a CD as you leave out today. I talked to you about how to get your financial life on an unstable foundation. How do you build an unstable foundation? Financial life. We looked at sand, the principles last week, this week, and also next weekend as we conclude this series. I want to talk to you about how do you build your financial life on the rock? So when the storms come, and storms do come that your financial house will be able to stand. And today I want to give you one of the major, major rock principles that's found in God's Word that you and I need to apply. It's a very difficult principle, but if you'll apply this principle, you will be building your financial life on the rock, and when the storms come, your financial life will be able to stand. Let's look at this, at this principle today found in 1 Timothy chapter number 6. And verse number six, Paul says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. There it goes right there. Everybody say contentment. Come on, say it again. Contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Paul says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And the truth is that every single one of us struggle with discontentment. In our society, there is this myth of more. We always want more. We're never satisfied. And I think the best way to illustrate this is by showing you this very short video. Check out this video. It's one of the most talked about new releases in years. The hype of this iPhone has been over the top, and it could change the way you live. There's lots of excitement. Even through the night, the faithful were here. And people across this nation have been lined up for days. They have blacked out the store windows, and they're setting up inside, and there's a huge crowd behind me that wraps around the block. I have rain gear, and I have everything I need to wait. My other phone's going to be really upset when I cancel my service and throw it away. Some of whom have been waiting in line for about 30 hours now. And those who have been in line and sticking it out over these last several days are emerging from this store, obviously very happy, and they're coming out to applause and cheers. The new iPhone. I love what the news anchor lady said. She said, This could change your life. Oh, okay, you've got to have this. I love what the one lady said. She said that she said, my, my, my phone company is going to be awfully mad at me when I have to cancel my phone service and throw away the other phone and get an iPhone because I got to have it. I, I need it. And we always feel like we need more. People waited 30 plus hours because they had to have it. I would ask you how many of you waited for the iPhone for 30 but I just don't want to see your hand. Amen. Just don't even want to know. We, 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 we always want more. Americans constitute... 5% of the world's population, but consume 24% of the world's energy. On average, one American consumes as much energy as two Japanese, six Mexicans, 13 Chinese, 31 Indians, 128 Bangladesh, 307 Tanzanians, and 307 Ethiopians. We always want more. Americans eat 815 billion calories of food each day. That's roughly 200 billion more than needed. That's enough to feed 80 million people. The average American house size has has more than doubled since the 1950s. We we need more. According to Sharp, the 42-inch TV will be old hat by 2015, with the average size screen set to rise to 60 inches in the last 12 months sales of 46 inches and above lcds have risen to 272 percent suggesting that big screen tvs are becoming the norm rather than the exception and, and how many know it's not good enough just to have a big screen tv honey we need hd come on now hey come on sports fans don't leave me hanging i got to have me some hd up in here oh yeah and we, we always, we always want more. We, we all struggle with this. And don't you wish I could tell you to go see a doctor. Go call this number. Immediately following service. And if you go see this doctor, there's a pill that he, he, he has prescribed. And if you take this pill once a day, you will be content with what you have. Come on, some of you husbands will get that number right now and call. Come on, some of you wives would get that number. And right after service, boy, you put it on speed dial. I know you are Go get this pill. Take it, honey. You're killing us. But the truth is, there is no doctor that can prescribe a medicine to make you content. There is no pill that you can pop once a day that will make you content. But yet God's Word, God's Word has the answer on how you and I can be content. And today I want to look at God's Word, and I want to give you four cures for discontentment. Not a pill, not a doctor, but... The Word of God has the cure for discontentment. Number one is this. You can follow along with me in your bulletin. Take some notes and fill in the blanks. Point one, refuse to make possessions a competition. To make possessions a competition. Timothy says over in 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 8, But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And you know this as well as, as I do. That's not true. For most of us. And the number one thing that keeps us from being content is competition. Many people spend their entire life competing with their neighbors, competing with their friends, competing with their co-workers, competing with their relatives. That They're always trying to up somebody else. They're always trying to make sure they're keeping up with everybody else. And, and, And if that's you, if you find yourself in that category Here's a question that you just need to ponder. Why are you trying to be like everybody else? Why are you competing with everybody else? Why are you trying to be normal? Can I tell you what normal is in our society? Forty percent of people borrow more than they can make monthly payments on. And when a storm comes, and storms do come, they're not ready. The average American family is always only three weeks away from bankruptcy. In other words, they live paycheck to paycheck. 85 out of 100 Americans have less than $250 in cash saved up by age 65. The average American has over $8,000 in credit card debt. Over 40% of U.S. families routinely spend more each year than they earn. That's normal in our society. Can I tell you, the neighbors that you're trying to keep up with, they're broke! They're posers! (laughs) And you're trying to compete, and you're in this rat race, and here's your pastor. Hear my heart today. I don't want you to be normal. I don't want you to be normal. And some of you, I realize, you fall within those statistics, and there's no condemnation in Christ. And I want you to make in your mind today, make up in your mind, that you're not going to stay normal. That today's going to be a turning point. That you're not going to be the norm today. You see, normal people here in America, the norm is, is that you are stressed out and overwhelmed by your financial life. Normal today is that you're overwhelmed with debt and you can't pay your bills. Normal today in America is that you don't honor God with the tithe and you you spend it all and you don't allow God to bless your life and and to work in your financial lives because you spend and you rob God from from the opportunity to bless you by returning the tithe. That's normal in our society. Normal in, in our society is people build their life not upon the Word of God. They build their financial life on the sand. That's normal. And when the storms come, their financial life, comes tumbling down. I love what David Ramsey says. It's such a powerful statement that he says frequently. Here's what he says. If you will live like no one else, one day you'll live like no one else. If you'll live like no one else, one day you'll live like no one else. But the problem for most Americans is they live like everybody else. And they are building their financial life on the sand. We have to make in our mind that we're not we're going to compete with everybody else to be normal. Because that is building their, our life on the sand instead of on the rock. Number, number two, there's a, a, second, a second cure for discontentment. Number two is delay gratification. Delay gratification. And the truth is everybody wants everything right now. Right now. And here's what I've learned, and this is a great thing for you and I to learn, is that every blessing that God has for us is not meant for right now. Every blessing is not meant for right now. And, and I realize some of you in this place, you're, you're, you're doing that. You're trying to get everything right now. And here's what I know about people who do that. When you try to get everything right now, not only do you build your life on the sand, but you are not prepared for financial storms. I'm trying to get everything right now. And I know some of you here today, you're going, Herbert, I need it now. You just don't understand. I need it now. The car is old and I need a new one now. Herbert, the house is too small. I need another one right now. Herbert, my phone is outdated and I need an iPhone now. And it reminds me of the Snoopy cartoon. It was Thanksgiving time and Snoopy was outside in the cold, and all his friends were inside eating Thanksgiving dinner. And Snoopy was not invited to Thanksgiving dinner. And Snoopy was upset. Snoopy was mad. He was cold outside as he watched all of his friends eating Thanksgiving dinner. And then Snoopy all of a sudden had this thought. And Snoopy said to himself, it could be worse. I could have been born a turkey. It it could be worse. Come on, I want you to say that with me. Everybody say it could be worse. Come on, that wasn't everybody. Everybody say it could be worse. Could be worse. Come on, say it again. It could, it could be worse. Come on, when you leave church today and you get out in the parking lot and you start looking around what everybody else is driving. Oh, I can't. Ooh, look at what I'm driving. And you even wait for everybody to leave around you because you know you're going to have car problems starting up. And you won't know nobody to see you. Come on, come on. When you get out of that car, I want you to say this. It could be worse. Now, come on, when you get to the workplace tomorrow and you're frustrated because you didn't got the raise and you hadn't got the bonus and you hadn't got the promotion and you're mad at the boss. I just want you to say, it could be worse. Come on, when you get to your house today, and you get in your house, your apartment, your duplex, and you're frustrated because you think we need two three bedrooms instead of two, we need four instead of three. I need a bigger kitchen, we need more bathrooms. And when you get to complain, I just want you to go to your house today and say, It could be worse. Come on, when you and your spouse get in an argument and you go to bed tonight and you wake up in the morning, I want you to look at your spouse and say. I'm just playing. I didn't mean that one. Don't take it that far. (laughs) That was a joke. Don't say that tomorrow morning. I promise. It won't help you. I promise. (laughs) It could be worse. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 6. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. In other words, there's nobody motivating the ant to do this. There's nobody driving the ant to do this. The ant wants to do this all on its own. It knows it's the smart thing to do. Verse 8 says, Yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. In other words, the ant delays gratification it doesn't eat everything right now. It stores its provision in summer. It knows wintertime is coming. It knows there's going to be an ice storm. It knows it's going to get cold. And if I eat everything right now, the ant knows I will not be prepared for winter. And here's what you have to understand is you don't need everything right now. You don't, 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 don't behind to that. You don't need everything right now. You must learn to delay gratification. Come on, when you get to the mall this week, this month, and you start walking around the mall and you see that $200, $300 outfit, come on, instead of buying that $200, $300 outfit, delay gratification. And if you will live like nobody else, one day you'll live like nobody else. And if you'll delay gratification and manage your finances well, one day you'll walk into the mall and you can buy three of those $200 outfits and never whip out your credit cards. Delay gratification. I, I'm talking to somebody here, you, you just got out of college and, and you need a new car, you feel like. You, you, you just got the raise. You just got the promotion. And, and you say, I, I need that new car. And, and, and you go out and, and you buy a new car, a brand new car, and you finance it for 14 years? That car not going to last 14 years? And if you'll learn to delay gratification, you don't need everything right now. And if you'll get a, a junker and you'll, you'll manage your finances right. Listen, if you'll live like nobody else, because people don't do that. If you'll live like nobody else, one day you'll live like nobody else. And one day you'll be able to go out and get the card that you want and you'll pay cash for it. But you've got to delay gratification. Here's what I know. Don't miss this. You'll either pay now or pay later. But you're going to pay. (laughs) You're going to pay. You're either going to pay now or pay later. And what I want you to do, church family, is I want you to pay the price now. Because if you'll pay now, you can play later. But many of you are going to play now. And you're going to pay later. You won't have any savings. You won't have any retirement. You won't, ready for finan- you won't be ready for financial storms. You won't be prepared for your future because you're playing now and you'll pay later. And if you'll live like no one else, one day you'll live like no one else. Point number three, there's a, a third cure, a third cure for, for discontentment. Number three is this, realize more money is not the answer to your problems. More money is not the answer to your problems. This is a very big one. Most people believe this. Many of you today believe this. My problem, Herbert, is I need to make more money. The Scripture says this back in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. I want this to just drive home in your mind today. But godliness with contentment is great gain. It's great gain. And you say, I don't need great gain. I need great money because I got bills. Herbert, I'll be content when I make more money because, Herbert, I've got financial problems. And When I make more money, then I'll be content. And friends, when you think more money is the answer to your problems, here's the issue, is you live your financial life on the defensive instead of on the offensive. That's how many people handle their financial life. They're, they're always on the defensive. And here's what they do. They, they never save anything and invest for the future because they tell themselves this, I can't afford to save money now. When I make more money, then I will, because more money is my, my problem. I, I, God, you know I can't afford to tithe. I, I can't afford to do that right now. When, when I make more money, and people convince themselves of this, when I make more money, then I'll honor God and invite His blessing and favor upon my financial life. Then I'll do that, but I can't afford to do that right now. Many people buy into this lie, and they think they need more money, and so they never prepare for storms, and they never set anything back for a rainy day. I just want to remind you, listen, storms are a part of life. Your car will break down. It will. I don't care if you pray over it, anoint it with oil. It's going to break down. Just keep driving it. Cars break down. Your washer and dryer, you have it long enough, it will break down. You you live in a house long enough, something's going to leak. Something's going to go wrong. Storms are a part of life. And when you go through life on the defensive, you say, you know what? I can't set anything back for a rainy day because I need to make more money first. And here's the truth of the matter. The truth is this. Many of you, not everybody, but most of you in this place today, you're making more money now than you were making 10 years ago. You're making more money now than you were making five years ago. Many of you are are making more money now than some of you, than you were two years ago, a year ago. And you still have financial pressure. And you still have financial problems. Because the problem is not that you need to make more money. You see, friends, the number one cause of financial problems is not income, but lifestyle. It's not income. It's, it's a lifestyle. Here's what most Americans do. When they make more money, when they get the pay raise, when they, when they get the increase, when they get the promotion, most Americans just raise their standard of living. And they upgrade the car. They make more money, they upgrade the house. They, they make more money, they upgrade the TV. They buy the new boat. And they raise their standard of living. And the real issue is this. It's not your income. It's your lifestyle, and most people always have their lifestyle bumping up against their income. And some of you, you're not bumping against your income. You're over your income. And, and I know some of you right now, you're, you're half mad at me. You're going, preacher, you don't know what you're—if I, I made more money, you just don't understand. If I made more money, I wouldn't have these problems. If I made more money, I wouldn't have this financial pressure. All I need to do is make a little bit more, and these problems would go away. And you're missing it. Hear my heart today. The issue is not if you made more money. The real issue is if you spent less money. Because listen, financial security has nothing to do with how much you make. It has everything to do with how much you spend and the issue is your expenses are right there with your income here's the truth hear this today there are lots of people who make who make a lot of money a lot of people a lot of people who make 40,000 a year 50,000 a year 60 a year 100,000 a year there are a lot of people who make 200,000 or 300,000 a year there there are people who make 400,000 a year seven figures and, and can i tell you there are a lot of those people who still have financial stress who still live paycheck to paycheck Because their problem is not how much they earn. Their problem is how much they spend. And friends, people create their own financial problems because they won't live within their means. And that's a tough pill to swallow. But we have to be honest, our financial problems for the most part are because of our own bad financial decisions and we won't live within our means. And then we create this lifestyle That we're forced to have to finance. And it feels like really, it feels like pressure, but we created it. I mean, it's our own illusion. We created the problem. We created the pressure. We created the stress. Not because of our income, but because of our expenses. And then I love what Christians do. We create a problem, and you know what we do? We call on the Lord. Oh, Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Lord, I need you. Please, Jesus. Lord, I've been tithing above my tithe. I give to the crazy campaign. Oh, Lord, you said you would open the windows of heaven and that you would bless me. Oh, Lord, I need a blessing right now. Jesus, please bless me. Oh, God, give me some more money. Oh, God, I need some money. And God said, I did give you some money. And you spent it. You driving around in it. You're wearing it. You went and bought some bling bling and spent your kateen kateen. Yeah. I blessed you. And you're watching it. you ain't wa- you watching it. I did bless you. And you spent everything I gave you. And then you turn around and tell me that I'm not blessing you. And then you turn around and say my problem is I need to make more when the real issue is not your income it's your lifestyle point number four and right now i think it'd be a great time to do this you know i like to do this whenever i speak sometimes and i think it's appropriate right now just look at your neighbor and say this is not for me but i'm glad you're here that's right i i hadn't bought anything new in the last 10 years i haven't spent any extra money and i but you need this (laughs) point number four the fourth cure for contentment is serve God instead of money serve God instead of money and Paul tells us very clearly what happens when we serve money instead of God and listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 8 through 10 he says but if we have food and clothing we will be content with that people who want to get rich people who always chase after more, people who buy into the myth of more, people who always have their expenses out of control because they're always trying to keep up with somebody else, they fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men notice this into ruin and destruction isn't that so true when people chase after money it can destroy their life it can destroy their marriage it can destroy their kids their friendship it can destroy their job security verse 10 he says for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil some people eager for money don't miss this they're eager for money have wandered from the faith isn't that is tragedy That people get so wrapped up in chasing the dollar bill. that They walk out on God and they wander away from the faith. And it, it always breaks my heart as a pastor. I've seen people since I've been pastoring this church over six years. They started out broke, busted, and disgusted. They were in church every week. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I need you, Lord. I need a miracle. They honored God. And God began to bless them. And now we don't see them at church. Oh, Pastor, I don't got time to come to church. I got to wax my boat today. Oh, you're missing it. You got your eye on the wrong thing and you're headed for a road of destruction and paul says listen when you start serving money instead of serving god you start wandering away from god you start wandering away from church you start wandering away from your christian friends and he says and pierce themselves with many griefs and jesus brought up the same thing in matthew 6 and verse 24 about serving money instead of god and jesus said no one can serve two masters either he will hate the one and love the other simply what jesus is communicating there is love less you're going to love one more and love one less but you can not love both equally. He goes on to say, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, many Americans don't struggle with "quote unquote" devil worshiping. Many Americans struggle with money worshiping, and Jesus said, "There's a competition for your heart. There's competition." And you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money. But don't fool yourself that, and you begin to think that you can serve both because you can't. One of them is going to have your heart. One of them is going to have your devotion. One of them is going to wrap, your, wrap up your thinking and the focus of your life. And some of you in this place today, you're having an affair on God. You have an affair on God. And you know what happens when people have an affair? Is it try to hide it. Recently, there was a politician who was having an affair and it just came out that he was having an affair and he tried to deny it because that's what people do when they have an affair. You know, if I was to interview you today, 99.9% of you, if I asked you, who are you serving, God or money? And if you were having an affair, you wouldn't tell me. So I'm serving God. And you would justify it and make excuses. But yet, when you look at how you handle your finances, you look at the devotion of your life, you look at the focus of your life, you're having an affair on God. And you're cheating God for the almighty dollar. And the issue is this. You've got to be real with God. You've got to be honest. God, today my heart's in the wrong place. God, I've drifted away from you. God, I'm chasing after things that are taking me down the wrong road. And friends, can I tell you something? God's not after your money. Can I tell you The number one, the number one reason God asks you to return the tithe to him first is because God wants your heart. And God knew there would be this competition for your heart. And the number one competition for your heart, did you notice that Jesus didn't say that you're going to serve God or the devil? No, he knew the number one competition for your heart would be the almighty dollar. And the way that you destroy greed and the way that you conquer this and you start to get content and you start building your financial life on the rock is you say, God, I'm going to honor you. And though I want to spend this on myself and I want to drive a nicer car, I want to take the time. But God, I want to put you first because I know you want my heart. See, God's not after your heart, after your money. I'm not after your money. You know what I want as your pastor? I want you to be sold out to God. I want you to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And I realize the number one competition for your heart is your money. And I realize this. I realize this. If you're not careful, you'll leave this place today deceiving yourself. And with your mouth, you'll say, God, you know I love you but your heart really is far from God because of how you handle your finances. You're either going to serve God or you'll serve the enemy. And the enemy of your soul, not only the devil, but its money, in this culture, many people's God, is the dollar bill. Lord, thanks so much for your word.